Michael, this is all very confusing. So we haven't done an episode related to crypto in a while, and with Bitcoin and most of the crypto market plummeting to their lowest values in over two years, we thought it might be a good time to take a look at what's going on. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, our Chief Investment Officer, Michael Sorrentino, and Senior Financial Advisor, Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So today's story is going to start with a conversation around algorithmic stablecoins. And if your head just exploded, don't worry. We're going to break this down into simple concepts that in 20 minutes, you'll be the crypto expert at your next party. I think everybody knows what Bitcoin is. And in my opinion, one of the most challenging things for people to wrap their head around when talking about Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency is why it has any value. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't smell it. And its value isn't associated with anything tangible. So why is it worth anything? This question is what makes crypto hard to understand and, in my opinion, is also a driver for why it's wildly unstable. What if you could change one of these main characteristics? What if you could tie each crypto coin to a tangible item? Any item, it doesn't matter what it is. Let's say donuts. If I have five donuts and five crypto coins, and I told you that each crypto coin holds the same value as one donut, all of a sudden crypto coins become super easy to understand and the value stabilizes enter the stable coin. The act of collateralizing each coin with a donut is called pegging, and this is what stable coins attempt to do. So now that you know what a stable coin is, let's talk about a platform called Terraform Labs. Tino, you're quite familiar with how the Terra Luna coins work and how they've been issued and traded. So let me pass this over to you and let's get this conversation started around that. Well, to understand Terra and Luna, I think what we need to do is understand how currencies work, okay? Because a digital currency is still a currency, or at least that's the idea. Take the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, for a very long time, was backed by gold, okay? So for every dollar or amount of currency that was issued by the U.S. government, there was a vault somewhere that held gold pegged to that specific dollar, right? So what we called collateralized. At some point, the U.S. government realized that it's very difficult to print gold, so they dropped the quote-unquote gold standard in our country and they moved to what we call a fiat currency or a currency that's not backed by anything, all right? It's non-collateralized. It's only backed by the full faith of the United States government or whatever the slogan is these days. In that instance, it's an interesting situation because there is no collateral. So it becomes in many ways no different than a Pokemon card, right? It has value because people perceive it as having value. The US dollar has eight or nine decades now of being the world's reserve currency. And the network effects surrounding that currency has made it as strong as it is today. The idea behind an algorithmic stable coin like Terra and also Luna is to try to mimic that type of situation. Create a currency, a digital currency that is stable. Okay, One Terra is equal to one US dollar. And there's a mechanism behind that adjusts and ensures, well, tries to ensure that that peg has remained in place. And by doing so, the second step is to do it in a way where you don't have to actually collateralize that currency. In effect, you're trying to create a US dollar digitally without necessarily having to collateralize it. It sounds a little geeky. It sounds a little weird. But ultimately, this whole thing only works if people perceive 
Terra is having the value that it has, one US dollar. So what Terra is attempting to do is say that each Terra coin is the value of one US dollar. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's backed by one US dollar. And I think that's an important distinction, right? So what Terra says is we are going to produce X amount of Terra coins. And based on the volume of those Terra coins, essentially that should match the volume of US dollars that is out there. Therefore, every Terra coin is worth one US dollar. And it's using an algorithm in the background to make sure that the quantity of US dollars as it fluctuates matches the quantity of Terra coins. So while it can be understood that in theory, the value of the TerraCoin is the same as the value of the dollar, it's not collateralized against the dollar. And there's really no tie there other than the fact that conceptually, this is how the platform has been developed. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. It is a little weird conceptually. I mean, think about currencies in general. Everything in economics is based on supply and demand. So if I want to peg a currency to the US dollar, I got to control the supply and demand of my currency pegged to make sure that at all times my peg remains in place. A real world example is the Hong Kong dollar. Okay, so Hong Kong has their own currency, or they've had one for a while now, and they've had it pegged against the US dollar for quite some time. So if I'm a country and I say I want my currency to represent the same exchange rate with the US dollar at all times, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy and sell other currencies, including my own, to stabilize that exchange rate over time. It's a constant process. It's a lot of work. So effectively, what an algorithmic stablecoin is trying to do is it's trying to maintain that peg using an algorithm, creating new coins, burning coins, using sometimes other coins as stabilizers as well. Just think of it this way. If I want to peg one asset price against another, then everything comes down to controlling the supply based on where the demand is headed over time. So I think that's pretty clear, and I'm hoping that's pretty easy for our listeners to understand. So now let's talk about Luna. That's really where sort of the story goes a little bit sideways and gets a little weird. Yeah, it gets a little weird fast. So as I said earlier, there are ways to stabilize supply. And in this instance, Luna is a kind of a related or sister currency to Terra. The idea behind Luna was to create something that floats freely in the marketplace and use that as a way to stabilize Terra. So in English, basically what that means is if Terra's peg against the dollar were to fluctuate, what Luna is designed to do is to create an arbitrage mechanism for traders to go in and stabilize that peg. There is a an incentive out there to trade Luna in a way that would then drive Terra's price up or down to maintain the peg. And again, I know it sounds a little geeky here, but Luna really is designed for nothing more than to ensure that one Terra equals one US dollar. Doesn't sound like it worked very well. <laughs> exactly. So what I was going to say is on the surface, the idea is genius, right? It's controlled this supply based on the US dollar, which is one control mechanism. And we know that you know, we're not going to be able to always have a one-to-one -one match. So let's create a secondary control mechanism that is controlled by essentially the market and traders out in the world. To your point, Mike, it seems that way. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it seems that way on paper. <laughs> Where I struggle with this, this may be a, a function of my generation. When you talk about pegging, 
and as it relates to collateral, you know, if you say collateral, what comes to mind for me is something like my house and my mortgage, right? I buy a house, I take out a mortgage, the mortgage is collateralized by the house, right? If I don't pay the mortgage, the bank comes and takes the house. They've got a hard collateral, they've got something of value that's tangible that they can now take in exchange for, you know, the fact that I didn't pay back the mortgage. So, you know, when we talk about something being pegged, we use the word collateralized. But if there's nothing there to collateralize it, I'm not really sure where I'm missing this because it doesn't sound like that's what's actually happening. It's not collateralized. And Mike, what you're getting at is, I mean, look, this thing failed for a reason. Again, on paper, the algorithmic stablecoin, the arbitrage mechanism, all that stuff on paper should theoretically work. The problem is, is that it's heavily reliant upon people to perceive these coins as having value. And the second that goes away, there's nothing keeping this thing up and running. Again, it goes back to network effects. Think about Facebook. Why does everybody use Facebook? Because everybody uses it. All right. It's the US dollar all over again. So the challenge with a new stablecoin like this is how do you create those network effects? How do you incentivize people to step into the market and create that arbitrage mechanism? And the way they did it is a borderline Ponzi scheme. I mean, they came out and offered an interest rate on these coins of like, I think it was like 19.5%. All right, that's not too bad in this world. Think about the absurdity of this. You create these coins and you say, okay, we're going to offer you a 19.5% interest rate on your holdings. Well, okay, well, what are you going to pay that in? It's not going to be dollars, right? No, they're going to pay you in other coins. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain degree. And the whole mechanism will work up until the point where people start scratching their head and say, hey, what is this thing really worth? Right up until it doesn't work. Exactly. And we talk about this all the time, right? We live in a world where we have instant access to information. People overreact. If Elon tweets, stablecoin sucks, it's going down the tubes. If there's nothing there to back it, we're all out of luck. It, none of this makes sense to me. And you're seeing it across the board. And part of what you're talking about right now is why you're seeing such a huge effect on the rest of the crypto market. Right, which to me proves that the whole thing sucks. The irony here is that it's really no different than how the US dollar works, right? It's, it's like any other currency. Right, you know, as we were preparing for this, I was writing some talking points down and somebody had shot me an email last week with a, a couple of links to some comedy bits on YouTube. And one of them was a George Carlin bit. And it was the greatest BS story ever told. And you know, as I'm writing the notes on this, I'm like, Man, the greatest bullshit story ever told is currency. It's crazy. The amount of conspiracy theory out there around fiat currencies is immeasurable. It's been going on for decades. Ever since we detached ourselves from gold, this stuff has been floating around out there. You're right. Look, think about what money really is. I mean, what is the US dollar really worth? I mean, it's Pieces a piece of paper. Of paper. Or, or it's a digital currency to a certain degree now. I mean, it's a Pokemon card. It has value because people perceive it as having value. The difference, though, is it's been entrenched for generations and generations and generations, right? And it's part of our culture. It's part of who you are. It's unimaginable for us not to be able to transact things in dollars. That's not the case with something like stablecoin or you know, Tino coin or whatever comes up tomorrow, right? I mean, what is it that creates that level of confidence, that level of something being so completely entrenched other than time? I think there's another piece to it. Time is definitely a factor, no question. But I think the other piece, in my opinion, is that with cryptocurrency, it's sort of worked the opposite 
of traditional currency, right? And Tino alluded to it earlier. When the, the US dollar was originally issued, it was backed by gold. It's easy to know my piece of paper with a one on it or a 20 on it or a hundred on it is equal to X in gold, right? And at some point, yes, you move away from it, but because it has been backed by a, a tangible asset for so long, it's not challenging for the average person to still understand the value of that piece of paper. But with crypto, it's gone almost the exact opposite. It's launched with zero backing, with zero tangible collateral. And now, because of the fact that it's so unstable, you've got these platforms that are trying to sort of mirror what the US dollar used to look like prior to moving away from the gold standard. And I don't think it works that way. There are some stable coins out there that work differently. For example, Tether is probably the largest or close to the largest stable coin. And the way the Tether has been advertised is, you know, you deposit a dollar, we'll give you one Tether. And each Tether theoretically is backed by one dollar. Now, that's not entirely the case. But in that instance, that is something that theoretically is backed by something more than just a promise or something along those lines. So there's a couple of these out there that are trying. What I think is interesting about these stable coins I mentioned Facebook earlier. I don't know if you remember, Facebook tried to launch their own cryptocurrency maybe like two or three years ago. And they did it by the book. They went to the regulators. They said, this is what we're thinking about doing. And it got bogged down in regulation and ended up dying on the vine because they couldn't move it forward. It was just too difficult to follow the proper procedures and channels. Tether, Luna, and all these other stable coins out there, they took the Elon Musk approach. We're just going to do it and see what happens. They ignore the regulators. They did all these things that they're not supposed to do, and they've been successful for it. I think it's kind of funny. I have a question. Okay, so let's say it's Heather works, or any of them. You actually create a stable coin that's pegged to the US dollar, and it works 100% of the time. Why do I care? What's the benefit? Why do I need it? I mean, I can transact in US dollars over the internet just as easily as I can anything else. So why do I want it? Well, Remy, you're the crypto expert on this forum. Have you ever bought anything using crypto? I actually have never purchased a tangible item with crypto. And I mean, we've certainly had this conversation a lot as to you know whether or not crypto truly is a currency or whether it's a, an investment at this point. Well, that's where this one differs though, right? I mean, crypto in general, usually we talk about Bitcoin or Ethereum and that we've talked in the past works more like an asset because the value goes up and down. But a stable coin that literally just replaces a dollar digitally, or at least that's the way it's being explained to me or the way it's being promoted, what's the point? Well, I mean, I guess part of it's probably gonna depend on what your goals are in life. And for you, I'm guessing you're probably not super concerned with currency transactions that you wanna keep private or secret, but many people are, <laughs> and that is a draw. Yeah. Um, you know, is that theoretically these things are anonymous, and that is a big draw. You know, the second is if you have no trust in, in banks or government, which these days I would say is uh, a growing concern. Additionally, for global transactions, in theory, again, if it's adopted globally, you don't have to worry about exchange rates. So, I mean, there is value. Again, you know, to Tino's point, it's perceived value. I'm not sure that it really is or it isn't, but I think there are a lot of benefits if these are your types of concerns. So, personally, I don't know anybody not a single person one time ever that has used cryptocurrency to buy anything. Not once. But I guess they're out there. 
And from what I understand is transacting in cryptocurrencies can be difficult, not just because of the volatility, but just, I guess, the technology behind it. Clearing transactions takes a while. It's difficult sometimes to clear, things of that nature. And from what I understand, a lot of these stable coins, particularly Tether and USD, are designed in a way where you can facilitate transactions a lot faster and cleaner than having to convert dollars to Bitcoin or whatever it might be and then transacting. So I think for some people that are actually using this stuff to buy stuff online, it does make transacting a lot easier. Additionally, I think a big problem, in my opinion, is that if you're going to try to launch a currency that is not backed by anything tangible and is 100% dependent on sort of the the perception that it has value and the belief that it's that it's stable enough to actually use as a currency, you need a big name to lend its credibility and reputation to that platform. And yeah, Bitcoin is a big name now, but it's still a cryptocurrency. It's a big name because it's a big cryptocurrency. Let's shift gears. This hasn't happened yet, but I certainly would not be shocked if it did. I believe five years ago, roughly, maybe four years ago, somewhere around there, Apple launched Apple Pay, right? Which essentially is just a way to transact using the US dollar, but in an easier digital way. Let's take that a step further because I have a feeling that at some point we're going to see that this is the precursor to Apple launching their own crypto. And if that were the case, I think that you would see a much wider spread adoption. And I think that the stability of that coin would be significantly increased because it has the reputation and the credibility that comes with Apple. So I think that you know a lot of times and this is relatable to anything, not just crypto coin, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. There's these great ideas out there, but a lot of it is irrelevant without a strong execution. And as of right now, I don't know that I've seen a strong execution on any cryptocurrency in regards to how they've been launched, how they've been marketed, how you trade them, what the value of them is. None of that has really been executed very well. I think that if a company like Apple made that move, you might see a different trajectory of that particular crypto. You bring up a really interesting point, right? It's Apple has essentially created a gigantic distribution network, which would exist prior to them then introducing the crypto. That would be a completely different story, right? I mean, right now you've got people creating coins with no distribution. And no easy way to distribute them even if you had the distribution. Correct. You've got these other systems that exist that essentially are distribution systems. To add a coin to that would be interesting. Again, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I've never heard a rumor that's gonna happen, but based on sort of the way that Apple works, you know, they do tend to sort of launch something sort of inconspicuously. It doesn't seem like it's much. And five, six, seven years later, all of a sudden they launch something else and you go, you know what? They've been planning this for 10 years and you can see sort of all these little pieces that they've put in place to get to this launch. And Apple Pay feels like one of those to me. I'm actually surprised you don't use Apple. How about, uh, Tino, do you use it or no? Whenever I can. I hate carrying my wallet. So I actually do use Apple Pay. My, my credit cards are tied to Apple Pay, and I do use that when I go to the grocery store or whatever. But in regards to actually tying my bank account to that and, and trading you know, money between people, that I don't do. For no particular reason, I just not really you know, repaying people back. <laughs> so the reason that we started talking about this, of course, was not necessarily just to educate people on how stable coins work, although you know that is a big benefit. But it was more to talk about why are we seeing this massive sell-off 
in the crypto market in general? I mean, to me, this is a continuation of some of the de-risking that we've seen or quote-unquote de-risking in the broader financial markets. I mean, during times of fear and panic, irrespective of why it's happening, you tend to see asset classes correlate together. They start moving together very tightly. So right now, if you looked at the stock market, the bond market, and let's add in the crypto market, they're mostly down right now. And it's really hard to, frankly, decipher between one market versus the next. They're all down together. And to me, I think that's really what's causing a lot of the pain right now in the crypto market. But we talked about how Terra and Luna were not backed by any type of collateral. That's not entirely true. The developers of Terra and Luna started buying a fair amount of Bitcoin in a reserve over time. So the thinking was, okay, let's try to get somewhere in the middle. Let's not have it fully collateralized, but let's have a little. So the problem was once their peg fell into a death spiral last week, they tried to defend the currency. They tried to defend the peg by selling Bitcoin and buying their currencies. And in doing so, what you saw was unintended effect. You saw a massive sell-off in Bitcoin. Remy, you probably know better. I think it was like $3 billion worth of Bitcoin. So what I was going to say is let's put this little bit in perspective. That little bit was $3.5 billion. It's a big number. Yes. So as much as we want to say that these things are not related, in many ways they are. So Remy, you're always asking for the bottom line. I'll tell you what the bottom line is for me. Stable, as attached to anything that we're talking about, is the biggest misnomer on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. But let's elaborate a little bit more. So, Tino, I'm going to leave this one to you. When it comes to cryptocurrency, when it comes to stable coins, when it comes to Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and how all of these things may or may not be connected, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is network effects matter. And it's really hard to build network effects. Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two leading cryptocurrencies out there because they were first to market, but there's also wider spread adoption to those. Past that, these coins that are out there, you're really gambling on those quite a bit. And you think about, we have a cryptocurrency solution that our wealth manager we've been using for a while now. We only offer Bitcoin and Ethereum for that reason. And it goes back to what we tell our clients every single day. If you want to invest in this, that's fine. We see opportunity, but size your positions carefully and don't try to trade this stuff. These millionaires and billionaires running around that have made a lot of money off cryptocurrencies, it's because they're holding it. It's not because they're trying to trade it. And I think that's really important because the volatility in these coins is like nothing we've seen in most other asset classes. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.